Righto, Money Miners. We are not here today when you're listening to it. Friday. We are possibly dying in bed after our uh, event, but this is Mr. Joe Lowry. Part two is up our sleeve. Now, part two, I think we start start on, Mm. I guess, the real intricacies of... DLE. Yep, we got into the DLE and then we got into Is it going to bloody work or not? Yep, we spoke <laughs> about Exxon's, you know, movements in yep. around the area. We spoke about sedimentary Sed- projects. Yeah, Thacker Pass. Thacker Pass and all the other ones yeah. on, on the fringes. Rio Tinto's the- Jada. Mm. Yeah, yep. and then a, a bit into the, the the downstream world as yeah, well. Yeah, a bit on hydroxide carbonate and, and the like. Mm. Good, great 101 for all the spodumene fans that aren't as up on the curve, like me, about <laughs> everything else that isn't spodumene in lithium. So there's a lot of other supply out there. Mm, which that's it. We're otherwise. Thank you, Joe. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, which, big, uh, he bloody he froths on it. <laughs> he's new. I reckon he's got a poster of us on his bedroom wall or something. <laughs> like a bloody fees our fanboy. If not, we'll send him one. Oh, <laughs> yes, and uh, mate, I can't wait for Lion Town to be bloody breaking spodumene underground. And you know what's going to be paramount. To Lion Town's success, please flow of operation. Oh. Have a look at them here. Donated <laughs> by the Sandvik folk, Jumbo. Look at that. You need those steels turning. Look at that. Your bogger. You need the bog- bloody. But you take the Jumbo away. The bogger's got nothing to do. No. You take the bogger away. Yep. The truck's got nothing to do. Yep. You know what you can take away <laughs> that <laughs> will mean the Jumbo's got nothing to do. Matty Michael from Operating the Jumbo. Ground support. <laughs> Ground support. And if you take DSI away from your operation, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, These are you're just paying yeah. everyone for nothing. There's no lithium to speak of. There's then. no – Line Town stock price goes to zero. <laughs> Effectively, if DSI don't – like if you don't have ground support. Well, that is how important ground support is – to the mining industry. But I couldn't have put it better. Why why would and <laughs> if you want ground support, you want and you need reliable supply, wouldn't you go to the OG ground support provider? There's only one place to go. Jesus Christ. Like I'm sweating thinking about what it would mean for an operation if they didn't have ground support. If you have DSI, reliable ground support of every shape and form, mm. just just take the easy option. Chuck another DSI order. Just chuck another DSI order. Chuck a few extras in to guarantee that you've got ground support. It's all galvanised. Doesn't rust. It's all good. Bloody, it does rust after Jumbo bloody tears a new arsehole (laughs) in it with a steel, but it's fine. Decades later, because you need it to be good decades later, still still bloody good. I assume, I would assume that Line Town and Burncutter using DSI Mm -hmm. and that has just given that project so much more hope. It's crazy not to. Right? Oh, i put me... Maddie, the way you articulated um, the importance of, of ground support there, you actually simultaneously explained why jumbo operators get paid the most on the mine. <laughs> because mm. it's like, you are the bottleneck. <laughs> well, maybe DSI should be getting paid more than jumbo operators because jumbo operators couldn't do anything without DSI <laughs> providing the ground support. Just like I would say one of the most important businesses in the mining industry, DSI, mate, ground support in all shapes and forms, splitties, MDXs, MD bolts, posi bolts, bloody mesh of all shapes and forms, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to ring up DSI after this and just say thank you. Just put an order in yourself, mate. <laughs> thank, just thank you for keeping the mining industry alive. Send him a Christmas card. DSI. Yeah, yeah. I'll send him a cart and a dingo. No, yeah. I don't want. To, I don't want to give it away. Jeez, I love Dingo at the moment. Yeah, love your work. You know who else you love? Who do I love, Trav? <gasps> if I Let describe it's either Ryan O'Sullivan or Seamus Murphy, <laughs> it is Seamus Murphy. Correct. It's Seamus. Is it? Who, by the way, is not Irish but has the name Seamus? Mm. How does that happen? I would like to hear anyone. Like, if anyone in the industry actually doesn't like Seamus Murphy, I, don't, I think it would be impossible. I would put a million dollars on it. Like he would be the most loved guy in the industry, I reckon, especially in the world of exploration. Yeah. What a genuinely bloody great bloke. Wouldn't <laughs> you want your exploration recruitment, soil sampling and anything like hire of bloody RTVs to get through shit core ground? Cutting, like, core storage. Why wouldn't like wouldn't you want to it's like mm. I compare Seamus to DSI. 
Like yeah. it's it is the safest bet. Well, it's kind of like I think of it as maximizing your probability of expiration success. Yeah. Just use Seamus Murphy at any time expiration. It's a odd. It's an absolute no-brainer. Like because we look at obviously you know risk-adjusted returns and things like that. Like it's maximizing your return and minimizing your risk. Risk like they <laughs> if you pretty much have. Like you have no risk adjustment when you have Seamus. Like it actually, Seamus like just de-risks expiration. And if you just don't <laughs> want a headache, call them up. Oh, and like you get to talk to the nicest bloke in the industry. <laughs> Seamus, Victoria, anytime expiration. Thanks for all your support. And this is genuine. This is 100% genuine. Everyone else, everyone's out there looking for, for quality people. And well, you know, anytime expiration actually can provide quality people for all of your expiration needs as well. You're not going to get a quality person from an un, like a bad quality owner. No. Like good no. quality owners give good quality people and products. Simple as that. Anytime expiration and DSI. Speaking bloody. of good quality people, we better get to our chat with Joe. Yes, can't wait. Let's rip it. Let's rip it. We, we spoke a couple of weeks ago, Joe, briefly about Exxon moving in and understand that's, you know, oil fuel brand slightly different to the, the South American Brian's at smack over. But well, okay, let, let's 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 be clear about framing this though. When you talk about oil field brines, usually it's about a saltwater solution kind of that's been gone through a an oil field process and they're very low, they're 50 to 75 ppm. What you're talking about in the smack over with Exxon is them actually drilling for lithium, not using something that was part of an oil field uh, process. Yeah. And they've, I mean, and, and Standard Lithium's doing the same thing. Standards was a special situation because they were using the smack over, they had already drilled wells, they were producing bromine, and Albemarle does the same thing. This standards in El Dorado, Arkansas, Albemarle's in Magnolia, Arkansas. But these are operations that the, the wells are already drilled. There's no capital costs associated with that. They're making a product that's commercially viable and bromine. And then they just take the, the brine after that process, take the lithium out and re-inject it. So that can be a much lower PPM lithium. But what Exxon's doing, I mean, they're they're drilling these wells and they're wells for lithium, but they have a much higher, they're they're more like Argentina in terms of the lithium content, which was a surprise to a lot of people. But so you have a, when you talk about brine in North America, you have to have DLE for all, almost all of it. I mean, Silver Peak is a tiny operation Albemarle has in Nevada. It's not a great operation, relatively high cost for a brine operation. But most of what you'll see out of North America is going to require DLE. Yeah. So but there's, there's two frames for that, though. There's the old oil field brines that are 50 to 75 ppm that you're you know you're going to pump out and then there's some of this much higher lithium containing brine uh and when you're talking ppm it sounds like it's all tiny but there's a big there's a huge difference doing dle on 50 ppm versus 600 ppm yeah so let, let's talk about the the oil majors and i have to say a company calling themselves standard lithium in a throwback to doing it with oil brines, a throwback to standard oil is is pretty hilarious. But these guys going to that part of America, they don't have the operation to to use the the option to use the ponds because they don't have the the physical space, right? No, it's not space at all. It's if it rains fifty or sixty inches a year in a place, you can't do ponds. You have gotcha. to have a relatively arid environment. Yeah, and. Arkansas does not qualify, <laughs> nor does Texas. There's a lot of rainfall in, in those states, so you can't do ponds. And what, what do you make of, you know, the, the move that Exxon and the, the money that they say they're going to pump in and all of it? Obviously, it's a, a bit part to their, their much larger core oil operations. But do you, do you look at it as a, as a serious change to the, the way the market's approaching DLE? 100%. If you're an old guy in lithium, you've been praying for the last 10 years. You, you're, going to, you're going to church and doing the novena to get somebody like a, the oil companies or, or big mining into lithium because they have the balance sheet to 
really have a go at it without worrying about. I mean, if if you're if if you have the risk tolerance that an oil company has to have to to Wildcat, and you can say Wildcat, Maddie, if you Wildcat, <laughs> thank you. Cheers. Continue. Um, that's a. I mean, that's a whole different mindset because Exxon has the balance sheet to go learn by doing and uh and you know obviously there's an esg component to this there's social pressure on oil companies to you know do a decarbonization and and so on and so forth and and i think i think exxon's dead serious and uh But I do think the CEO didn't really start talking about it until the CEO of Chevron said they were going to get into lithium. And everybody knows Occidental Petroleum is looking at it, too. So and if you go to South America, I mean, I advise YPF, you know, the national oil company in Argentina four or five years ago. And I have had other dealings with some of the other petroleum companies in South America. So I think this is a theme and if you look at Brian, they they're interested. It's it's an, an analogy to um, what they do anyway: the, drilling, subsurface, understanding what's going on below the ground. And and I don't think you're going to see. I mean, if I was going to advise a big oil company, I'd say get into both. Ultimately, Hard Rock and Brine, but. You know their their initial forays are going to be into brine because it's that's what they're more well suited for. The the oil companies sound just like the billionaires here in WA. They all look at what the other one's doing and then they say, "Oh, we're piling into lithium now. Let's go." I saw trust s- me, Gene Chris Gina versus Exxon is not even David versus Goliath. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I, mean, want, <laughs> I want to pick up on some comments from your favorite investment bank. Now they. We're talking about what the impact of DLE would be on the cost curve for lithium. And it wasn't what a lot of people here in WA sort of anticipate. It wasn't just dropping the cost curve entirely like we've seen in the nickel market in, in the last couple of years. It was actually really widening the, the second and third quartiles of, of the cost curve. So they're, they're not going to beat, you know, the likes of the Atacama and the green bushes. Is that something, you know, I can see a bit of a laugh? What do you think about that? It's- well, I think you were reading Goldman right before we started this podcast. Your favorite investment before, bank. <laughs> before your head hit the pillow. And I, and I will tell you that if you talk about DLE widening the cost curve for Brian, I'll accept that. But Lapidolite grossly steepens the cost curve. And at the end of the day, the, the lithium market doesn't give a rat's ass about whether it's Brian or hard rock, I mean, the high point of the cost curve is going to define where price goes. So, and Goldman's chops on understanding DLE are laughable. If you go through that report in detail, and and I'm not going to get into a tit for tat with with the Goldman people on that, but, you know, some of the DLE people sent that to me as soon as it was published and said, wow, this is amazing that they believe that. So do, do you think the um, the impact of DLE in, in that near term or in the medium term is under or over appreciated? Um, oh, we're going to do under and over. <laughs> give me what, give me your definition of near and midterm. Let's say in five years time. I still think in five years time, DLE would be not a huge contributor to lithium supply. I think if you take it out to seven to 10, then you're talking. But I think just because of the, I mean, just look at the announcements. Nobody's claiming massive DLE operations in two or three years. This is all a time sequence thing. But I do think it's part of the future. Who but to you, go who, back to Maddie, go ahead. Oh, just saying, who do, who do you think is going to be the first to crack it on a big scale? Is it going to be like an Exxon? I think it's going to happen 
in the smackover. And it could be standard. It depends on what big is. I mean, let's just say 10,000 tons is kind of the threshold of it's a commercial operation, small commercial operation. Could be standard. It could be Exxon. I have a soft spot in my heart for both. So, what sort of money are, are these, um, you know, oil giants kind of actually allocating to, towards this sort of technology? Is it, is it like real, real capital where, you know, um, or is it kind of like one? Are they are they taking these kind of bets where they're throwing some money at it, and if it works, it works. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. Like, like how do you evaluate that? I, I think that a big, big, big lithium project is a small, small, small oil field. Yeah. So I don't think it matters because I think Exxon's going down a path, and. Capital's not going to be a barrier to that path. What the barrier is, is going along the line of, does it work at this level? Does it work at this level? But I, I believe they will be all in. If DLE works at 10,000 tons, then that'll just be Katie bar the door because they can build things fast. You know, I, I don't, I wouldn't be betting against Exxon, especially operating in, uh, the part of the U.S. they're operating in. I think that'll, I mean, it's, it was such a big deal. You know, the governor's on, uh, Miss Huckabee is, you know, announcing that they're Exxon's here and they're drilling and Arkansas really wants this to happen. And, uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for Arkansas. My college roommates an Arkansas boy. And, uh, I spent a lot of time in Arkansas and, uh, I'm actually speaking at there, having a big lithium event in February that I will do a keynote at. So um, I'm given that going back to your question, it's still going to take time. So if you contrast the smack over to uh, the Atacama is the big difference. It's a bit lower concentration lithium, but a lot deeper like multi-kilometers depth. Well, I mean, they still have to prove that out with drilling when you're drilling just for lithium only. I mean, that's that's the thing. And you need a, you need a, you know, you can't, you can't have the Goldman pricing and make that attractive. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing. I mean, yeah. We're, we're, we're looking at a, at a, at a world where if, if lithium stays 20 to 30, all the brine guys are happy, even, you know, drilling, drilling holes for, uh, lithium only. I think they're all happy, but uh, you know, if you if you go back to a ten thousand, if you go back to a ten thousand dollar a ton world, you don't have enough lithium here to do thirty percent EV penetration. I mean that that's what Goldman and Morgan miss in all this. You can't you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth, and if you talk the price down to a certain level, lapidolite goes out the window. Some of your higher cost spot goes out the window and DLE from places like North America goes out the window too. Any more on Brian's board, uh, DLE? I'm keen to get into sedimentary projects. Mm, I think so. Good old Thacker Pass. I reckon that is the best name ever. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Thacker Thacker Pass, Smacker. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm weighing up which one I like better, but they're both good. I want to say. Is all... it as good as Bald Hill? Bald Hill. <laughs> well, how do you say, JD? Bald Hill, mate. But yeah, that's it. Bald Hill. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sedimentary. Sedimentary lithium, which is uh, – uh, and Thacker Pass is the one we'll probably relate it to the most. What is it, Big Joe? It is – used to be called clay, and there is a – friend of mine named Tom Ben Dr. Tom Benson. He's got advanced degrees from MIT, Stanford, and Harvard. So top that. He's a volcanologist. And all lithium, no matter where it is in the world, is associated with volcanic activity. And I'm sure you boys knew that, but just as a yeah, definitely. as a reminder. So um the McDermott Caldera is a massive it it could be bigger than the Atacama. 
uh, in terms of the lithium. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. They just haven't drilled at all. And because they're listed both on the New York Stock Exchange and TSX, they can't be make, saying stuff until they, they drill that all out. Wait, where is that again? But it's in Nevada oh, near yeah. the Oregon border. And uh, it's easy mining. It's like strip coal mining. You just kind of scrape it off. And, uh, you know, we got old videos that uh, when we did a podcast with those guys, you you put it in what looks like a bong <laughs> and you just let it, it separates really easily. Um, Jay is the man to talk to about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> Anyway, it's, you know, it hadn't been done before. And if you go back to when they first were looking at Western Lithium had what's now called Thacker Pass, they called it Kings Valley back in those days. Lithium was selling for 5000 a ton. They wanted to use a hard rock flow sheet because they didn't know any better. And uh, it, I was always panning it on my commentary. And then all of a sudden my bright friends from lithium America's got a hold of it and they put a different flow sheet on it. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it's going to work. It's going to be a very high capital and I won't get into those numbers because I can't talk about that, but, um, it's going to be high capital, but it's going to be very reasonable cost and it's in America, which makes it attractive to uh, the U.S. government and the DOD and all those sorts of people. So, so, so big, big tons, lower grade, but close. No, on, it's on, not. It's not lower grade. It's higher than the Atacama. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, but low, low, I mean, lower than a hard rock spot. You mean, for instance, close to surface, so all like free dig. Material, yeah, I mean, like, it's like just, a clay. You like, just scrape. You're just scraping it off. You're not mining. I mean, that was the whole thing in terms of, like, they would, the protesters would show a, you know, the super pit <laughs> that they downloaded from, you know, Google <laughs> Images, and oh my God, that's gonna be, it's gonna be awful. But, <laughs> and and knowing these guys pretty well, the the whole crew are. Tesla driving environmentalists, man. I mean, this is these are not like the evil empire that the the, the people that uh, were trying to prevent it from going, uh, you know, getting approved. It's uh, it's a very responsible group of people. And yes, I do own shares in the company, so you can judge me for that. So the the gripe if there is one that people have on these projects is that it hasn't been done yet on, on a large scale. So they've run the, the pilot plants. 100%. There's the, you know, there's a couple other projects around there, Sonora and Ioneers project as well. But I mean, I'm keen to hear what you think about, about the flow sheet, given that is the, the big risk. And I mean, they've already started constructing the thing. It's, you know, we wouldn't go in the numbers, but it's a big, big capex for phase one, of this project. So I'm keen just to hear your thoughts on, on the flow sheet and where your sort of concerns sit. Well, I, I think I have been in their tech building in Reno multiple times. They have every unit operation you can do in, in that facility. And uh, I don't have, I have, it's like any lithium project, it's there is ex, always execution risk on building something, but I don't have concerns about the process technology at all. Why is that? Because I've seen it. I've seen the operation. I've seen every unit operation work, hmm. and it's it's a matter of you know scale, and um, so I mean it's just like it would to me. It's just like hard rock has become plug and play. Okay. I mean, you can have, you can have cock ups with execution, but you know, people are, will talk about, you know, hard rocks, pretty simple, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's, it's just one of those things where 
well, nobody's done sedimentary, so, oh, my God, we better worry about it. And that that's fine. Um, I know the people involved. They've done lithium. And, you know, I've, I'm, I don't have a lot of angst about it. It's any, anytime you're doing a major build, you have timing issues that they could come to four, but, um, and I'll also say the United States wants this to happen desperately from a governmental perspective. And that's what I really want to get into as well, because this is a, you know, United States domiciled project. How, how much of an advantage could the IRA or is the IRA proving in terms of, you know, funding upfront capex, potential opex, tax breaks and the like? Well, I mean, you know, I can't comment on when the DOE loan is going to happen. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, well, I think that will happen. He also had GM go all in with them um, with their commitment. Uh, so, you know, I also think it's just, if this didn't happen, nothing will happen in America. <laughs> so what, what's the biggest, what's the biggest risk to the flow sheet? Do you think? Well, to, Is to, it to your point on flow sheet too, Matty, remember, um, remember Rio Tinto's JDAR deposit in Serbia. So that was a sedimentary one. And, uh, and right. before, How could we forget? Before the pin got pulled on that, Rio Tinto committed to spending 2.4 billion on it. So right. even though there's like, you know, some novelty and all that sort of stuff, you know, someone like Rio Tinto was prepared to out, throw, throw a massive dosh at it. Yeah. So and, by, and, by the pu- pin getting pulled, you mean Djokovic coming into <laughs> Australia? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Why didn't they, why didn't he just take the jab? Anyway, um, <laughs> is, is one, what are the biggest risk is it is it recovery is it acid consumption what are the biggest risks to that well i mean i think the big the big sulfuric acid plant was a concern of people i mean that's what you know people are talking about oh my god you have to build this massive sulfuric acid plant but it isn't like it hasn't been done so it it's the typical narrative when you get into lithium that if it isn't just something that's copy and paste people want to criticize it and you know, I'm I'm not I'm not going to sit here and be the sedimentary apologist. I believe it'll happen. I've got seven figures of my own money in it, um, so um, I believe. And and what does if this if Thacker Pass works, where does it open up a lot more sedimentary operations? I think it up op- it opens up more and more of Thacker Pass that area the McDermott Caldera, and you know I think that will be that will take years for them to do. And you know the the problem you have with Ioneer's a boron project with associated lithium. Let's just cut to the chase, and it it is no Thacker Pass. And I'm sorry for all you ASX punters that have money in. Um, Ioneer. Bacchanora is a little different in Gangfen. Gangfen did, is interested in Bacchanora because they knew the government wasn't going to allow them, the U.S. government wasn't going to allow them to be a partner in Thacker Pass. So the closest thing they could do was Bacchanora, but now they have to deal with the Mexican government. And uh, that's, in my mind, probably not going to happen anytime soon just because of the mexican nationalization rhetoric and all that so what okay take take away your bias that you've got shitloads of shares in this what is sedimentary lithium how do you rate that if if it like let's say hypothetically sedimentary dle and you know evaporation Dude, it's soft continues. rock just 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 be balanced not not spodumene hard rock Hard rock, soft rock, brine. And so, okay, so let's say in the future, in a decade's time, all of it is working and proven. Where does sedimentary sit on a lucrative project side of things? Is it going to be better? Are you better to have a a good sedimentary to a brine? No, cost-wise, sedimentary is maybe in the second quartile. Low, the, the... the left-hand side of the second quartile it might not be in the first quartile, depending on how much brine's done. Yep. But you also have to appreciate that from a geopolitical perspective, it's in America, and it's big. 
And that's kind of what you want. And in once the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, you only have to deal with one landowner. I mean, look at something like a Piedmont, which JD, you know, you asked me about Piedmont. And when I landed in Seoul, I had a email from the CEO of Piedmont and he was not happy about some of the things I said. So, <laughs> shout, shout out to Wait. you, Keith. We had an interesting chat in our time in Sydney with another CEO who wasn't too happy with comments of yours as well <laughs> on a company uh, and, on a company and, that's been mentioned today. And and who would that be? Come on, uh, we, we can't keep away. You can fun. edit it out. Uh, we'll chat. We'll chat off the air afterwards, Joe. Because <laughs> I'll, we'll, I'll we'll, forget okay. to edit it out. <laughs> what is that? So if that's um. Pissing off people across the lithium universe. Oh, good. Nothing, nothing like it. Is that so? That lithium Americas, if that's going to be as big as you say, is that going to re- attract the attention of a big, big major? Well, it, both of those companies should have been taken out in the last three weeks. I mean, if you look at, you had Azure have a higher market cap than Lithium Argentino that has two world class assets and is in production. How much sense does that make? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you can you could you can buy lithium Argentina right now for the capital cost of a mediocre 20,000 20, ton brine project. It's unbelievable. And what okay, what about lithium Americas then? Like who, if it is on the radar for a major, which majors would look at that? I'm not gonna speculate. I mean, I I'd It'd think be good that, if you did. <laughs> I I think yeah. I think Abelmarl has has no vision in that regard, um, and so I, obviously Tianchi and Gangfen can't play. So mm. you're really kind of limited to yourself when you talk about majors, and unless you're talking about a major mining company. Well, and do you if, think if it would attract a, a major mining company? Well, I, I think it just shows the lack of vision of the major mining companies, and I would say there some of them have addresses right on your doorstep. Rio Tinto have been making whispers about lithium. They've lost Jadar. Hey, word on that, the decline, that, Joe. There's a bit of speculation for you. That'd be good for Joe with all his bloody shares. You're going to flick us some <laughs> for all these interviews, Cobber, if you don't mind. And just to touch on the, the Mexican project once more there, Joe, in terms of how that project stacks up geopolitics and, you know, where, where it sits aside, I know Mexico had, you know, voiced some ambitions about having a state-owned lithium company as well and all of that. It, it, is the project... Any good? I think the project is between Thacker Pass and Ioneer in terms of quality. I, I think it it could could be viable, but I think Mexico is just not going to get out of its own way from a just pure geopolitics. I mean, it's I, I mean Gangfan Gangfan wants to get it done. I mean, forget the fact that it's in the middle of a drug country. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, I mean, I can remember the first time my two buddies, that the chairman and vice chairman of Gangfen, were going to go down there, and I said, "Okay, two Chinese billionaires are going to drug country in Mexico. That might not be your best play. Maybe you ought to send some somebody else under cover send, of darkness. Send one of the minions." I'm keen as we sort of get to get to the end of this. You you mentioned the you know, the strategic importance of the asset being within the US. And we hear all this stuff about incentives to build gigafactories and, you know, bringing back auto manufacturing to the, you know, Americas and the United States. In terms of, you know, producing the the carbonate and the, the downstream product from a place like Thacker Pass, is there capacity to, you know, like, are there battery making facilities in the America, like in America to actually turn that into what Tesla needs? Will they be making that in America or does it need to leave the country at any point? Well, first of all, it's what GM needs when with regards to Thacker Pass because GM has 100% call on phase one because they put $650 million in. Um, but let's just frame it a little bit differently. If you look at the Gigafactory map around the US, there's like 25 or so Gigafactories yeah. that have been announced. One 50 gigawatt hour Gigafactory wipes out phase one of Thacker Pass because phase one of Thacker Pass is 40,000 tons. Use a 0.8 lithium intensity 
that's it. So if you're going to do all these big gigafactories, Exxon needs to be successful. Standard needs to be successful because they're otherwise you got to bring in WA spot and convert it or bring up, you know, Argentina or Chilean raw material. It's that's, that's where this whole thing of the IRA and building the robust battery supply chain starts to break down is at the raw material end. Cause even if the, Abelmore was given $90 million as, you know, kind of a olive, olive branch to reopen the Kings Mountain mine. Well, even if Kings Mountain reopens, and that's going to take five, five years probably, they can do part of the converter plant they want to build just off the back of Kings Mountain. So America's got a long way to go. We'll never be self-sufficient. It, with the vision they have about EV penetration, but we can be on the road to being partially self-sufficient. But some, something like Thacker Pass is just a beginning. You've got to have a lot of other um, assets developed, and you know you, you can you can get into the oil field brine thing, but that that's a whole different set of technology to get to 50 to 75 ppm brine uh into low cost world-class chemicals that's that's going to be a, a tough slog well let's break down hydroxide and carbonate we've talked a lot about lithium carbonate um now based on jd's great notes here thanks jd <laughs> your your lithium hydroxide is used in your premium batteries your better range and your lithium carbonate is used in your lfps I, I don't I don't like the pejorative of saying premium batteries. High nickel has a, a set of characteristics. And yes, in the Teslas, the early Teslas, you had to have high nickel. I mean, that's what the way Elon wanted to go. But an LFP battery cycles a lot, lot, lot longer than high nickel does. So it's just how do you how do you parse that? What, what makes I, a good battery? It, is it yeah. is it range? Is it yeah. is it charging yeah, exactly. speed? Yeah. Is it life? You know, so, yeah, cycles. All yeah. these things matter. Yeah. So I mean, I I I would kind of reject out of hand the idea that hydroxide, high nickel is is the best. It's the best in a certain set of parameters, maybe. Um, but LFP cyclability, economics. You know, I mean. You, you look like a rich guy, Maddie. So you probably want a high end vehicle, but there's a lot of couple people of, that want a couple of years, a few years, mate. <laughs> hopefully, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be plugging me seven figure stakes in companies on podcasts too, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what are, so what? Are, okay, what are the? That's that's probably one misconception of hydroxide versus carbonate. What are the big mi- misconceptions of hydroxide and well, carbonate, and probably on, the, me, on me, the downstream processing side? Let me just frame this. I was pretty much the original hydroxide bull because that's what Livent was best at. And I had 100% of the hydroxide market for battery for over a decade. So I'm in, 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 if you go way back to the 90s, you used hydroxide to make high purity carbonate to get lithium hexafluorophosphate, which is the electrolyte. So if you go all the way back there, it wasn't for high nickel cathodes because they didn't exist, but it was for the electrolyte. So I, and honestly, when some of the, even the lithium cobalt oxide people started producing for cell phones, they didn't know any better. So they started using more expensive hydroxide, which I was happy to sell them. <laughs> then they figured out that, hey, we could buy carbonate and make the same stuff. So with that bit of background, I think it was it was in the run up to the Tesla Model S when Tesla started buying cathode from Sumitomo Metal well from Panasonic started buying cathode from Sumitomo Metal Mining and I started supplying the hydroxide to them it was they were very picky it had to be very high quality I actually Live Vents product was the only product that could be used at the time. 
So that said about, I had a 60% premium to market on that product. It's a sweet business. So, um, so is the is the overall thing, it's harder to make hydroxide than carbonate? Is that a misconception? I Hydroxide is a more sensitive product to make. It has a shelf life. It's a relatively short shelf life. And uh, so if you have a choice, you would always use carbonate. So why why does it have a short shelf life? What happens to it? It starts to carbonate. Even uh, when you pack it, any oxygen in the bag, you're going to start getting carbonation immediately. And and just so everybody knows, lithium hydroxide is actually LiOH dot H2O. So there's a water molecule in there. And uh, it's very, it's hydroscopic, I guess, is the simplest way to say it. So, so okay. If you let's let's tie it into the old hard rock and and everything, <laughs> is what what is is there the sensitivity? Is that the challenge of getting to the hydroxide stage? I know Neo Metals had that process to pretty much convert carbonate to hydroxide very easily. Well, that's what we that's what that's what Live Vents always done. Yeah, is carbonate to hydroxide, uh, it's just easier. It's easier to make a chemical from a chemical. Uh, so, it, but if you look at it versus taking green bushes, spots, you mean making lithium sulfate and, and then making hydroxide, that's good. Green bushes is the only scenario where hard rock is lower cost than brine to get to hydroxide. But because that was true, then everybody in Western Australia it was always the argument that, oh, hard rock's the cheapest route to hydroxide. That's not true. It's only true in the case of green bushes. So and, if you go uh, if you go off Kemerton and Quinana in Australia, the, the hydroxide plants is a lot of the, the expensive yep. hydroxide out of Quinana. <laughs> <laughs> is that if you can get it? Is that the um so there what what do you think of those? Downstream Those processes. are project execution cockups, is the best way to talk about that. I mean, are there's they, no are they reason. Gonna work? Are they going to work eventually? Your good friends, Joe. You throw it. You throw enough money in anything, and ultimately you can get it to work. But it's it's you take Tanchi was not a great hydroxide operator in China. Abelmarl was not a great hydroxide operator in the United States. So the two people that decided to build chemical plants for hydroxide in Western Australia were bottom of the barrel might be harsh, but they weren't the best guys. And, and so I think, you know, and Albemarle's just not a great project executor. Just look at their record across the globe. Um, they bought in to the hydroxide plant that they have in China that w originally was, you know, the f first qualified to, to supply Tesla. That's how they got into the business. Their plant that was built with Obama ready, Obama shovel ready money in Kings Mountain wasn't, wasn't a great uh, project execution exercise. So, but that's the way the industry started. In the beginning, and this isn't Genesis, this is lithium story. Uh, the lithium industry was kind of separated into one guy did this, the other guy did that. There was a lot of swapping in between. And FMC, now Livent, made the best hydroxide. And our competitor uh, was better at other things. And they were lower cost at other things. And, you know, now you've got a, a, a lithium world that's evolved. And you saw China. I mean, China's... 20 years later, an overnight success. Because at the beginning, when I first started going to China, they couldn't make hydroxide to save their life that was any damn good. Only the low end of the grease market would buy it. Now, arguably, they're better than what Live can do. Joe, I'd be interested to hear when we compare Minres's strategy of, you know, just getting the rock and like now, I mean, it's evolved and they now have got to the point where they just want to do the mining versus say Arcadium Lithium where they're looking at full integration, you know, brines, downstream chemical 
processing, all of that sort of stuff. Do you, do you have, you know, a take on what you think is the, the better strategy there or, you know, co- company specifics aside, whether being good at one thing and just doing that or being vertically integrated is the better strategy? Yeah, but I, I think in a sense, it's almost a false comparison because, I mean, what's what was Chris Ellison good at? Crushing rock and, and that. And and so he, he, he can make money all the way across that value chain up to chemicals, which is what he's comfortable with. And then, you know, now he's talking about brine, which I, I find fascinating. And I hope he does it because he, you know, I mean, there's there's services to be provided to brine producers as well. In a term, uh, in, in our, what is it, Arcadium or Arcadia? I think it's Arcadium. <laughs> I think I missaid it before. Okay, okay, another bad name. Uh, Same company. Doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> I love you, Paul. Um, so, I think you've got Livent has been really good at some things and less good at others. Or a Cobra now all chem really hasn't set itself apart from the also ran field in any aspect. They don't make great carbonate. We'll see what they do with their Japanese hydroxide plant. They do have good assets. Um, you know, Mount Catlin, as we talked about before, maybe the one above the bottom of WA hard rock operations. So um, if I had to, if you had to tell me, would you rather line up with Chris Ellison or Arcadium? I would line up with Chris Ellison a hundred percent. So is the, the downstream. And I don't think he's a great operator in hard rock either. I mean, look at Mount Marion, but he's got a vision of what he wants to do and he moves fast. Arcadium will be glacial in whatever they do. Livent's been talking about the Ombre Muerto expansion for over a decade. And where are they? I can't even have spent, I think, wow, just as much on the transaction costs in the merger yes. than, uh, than Allison spent on Bold Hill. <laughs> I, was on, yeah. I was on the owner's team at Sol de Vida when Galaxy had it. Oof. Where are they? Okay, so yeah, am I going to line up with a guy like Chris or a probably a one plus one equals one point seven five merger? I'm I'm on Team Chris, and I know you don't like me, Chris, but you know that's okay. <laughs> so if if fast forward a decade, if DLE and the volcanic sedimentaries are all in full flight. Where does that leave Spodgermain? Oh, you... Like, I mean, Spodger. probably, yeah, yeah like the, your Mount Marion's and things like that, your Mount Catlin's. Like, uh, is it going to... No, mean you don't have an issue. You, I mean, even everything that's operating now, you know, I don't know if Bald Hill's actually operating at the present time, but assuming it is, they all continue to operate. Because what goes is lapidolite, all the crap and or DSO type stuff. Because it's even look at going from 300,000 tons to three plus million tons in 10 years. That's that's a extreme challenge. And then that only gets you part way. Take the next decade. It's going to be well into the 2030s before recycling matters at all other than recycling the lithium that's delayed to market because of the high scrap levels of the gigafactories. I mean, that that's the, another point that people really miss is that every new gigafactory has really high reject rates for months, and that's just lithium delayed to market. And the more gigafactory startups you have that aren't by the guys who have done it before, it's going to be it's going to be worse. And lithium is if you're talking about high nickel, sometimes lithium won't even be taken out. The nickel and the cobalt are much easier. So, so the I, circular economy is a long way away. 
So with the, I guess, and finish off with the downstream in Australia, the current, with what Tianchi and Albemarle are doing, which hasn't been yes. a, a good ramp up success. Is there another way hydroxide downstream in Australia could or could have been done? Or is there only the one way to do it the way they're doing it right now? Well, I, I, I think you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's not that, I mean, all sorts of people all over China are doing it the way Tianchi and Kemerton are trying to do it. So it's just get competent people in. You're, you're going to be higher cost just because of your capital and, you know, the, the, the cost involved. But if you want to, if you want to do that, I mean, I, I think, I don't know what Mr. Ellison has in mind, but taking it to a non-China lower cost environment might also make sense. Beauty. Right, lads. Beautiful. Appreciate your time, oh, Joe. Oh, big Joe. What a, what a session, mate. What a session. That real 101 for sensational. us. Sensational. One, a real good, All right. good, good for, hey, oh, you've made me a better man once again, big Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Love your work. Thanks to the partners and thanks, big Mr. Lithium Joe Lowry. Hey, will you always. send me that Gina video? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Mate, I've got a whole catalogue of them for you. <laughs> Good one, work trap. Righto. Cheers, big joke. Righto, there you go. Uh, everyone's had uh, their good fill of Joe Lowry in the last uh, week or so. The big fella. Absolutely. Much the wiser. DLE, Brian's sedimentary projects. I'll be listening back to it a couple of times. 100% lads. Hopefully when you're no longer hungover, mate. Mm. When when are we, you know, in a few years' time, or maybe when we're 50 or 60, we'll be those guys that, like, <laughs> will be going on the Young Kids podcast, all the whippersnappers, <laughs> giving back to the industry. Jeez, how good's that going to be? Jeez, I'll be spinning some yarns about back in the day. <laughs> Can't wait. Speaking of back in the day, it doesn't really apply at all. <laughs> Our partners. Oh, bloody hell. Let me see if I can rattle them off without bloody... Oh, let's go. The Investor Hub. DSI Underground, K-Drill, Anytime Exploration Services, McMahon Mining Title Services, Future Proof Consulting, Brooks Airways, Terra Capital. Shit. <laughs> KCA Site Services. KCA! Oh, I'm so sorry, Adam. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. It's the second worst thing we've done to Adam. Oh, so sorry. (laughs) Righto. (laughs) (laughs) The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.